The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. Coming, 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 coming. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, dots, spots, and bots. <laughs> I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. On this week's show, we have a roundup of all the news that happened since the last time we got together. And with New York Comic Con rolling into town in just a few days, we've got comics creators Rich Bernatovich and Jamie Fay here in the studio live to talk about life behind the artist table at this huge pop culture convention. Nice creators. I Yay. like having creators. I love comics. Yes. Anyway, uh, should we do some news? News, news. Before we get into news... We have comics guys on the show today. I know. It's exciting. We are actually getting the the cult and our, our pop cult. Yes. Yes, we are. And you know what's funny? Um, uh, It's Comic-Con coming yes. up, obviously. That's why we're doing this. It's the high holy days, as you call them. And uh, have you seen Inhumans? I have not seen it yet. I have not. I've I'm heard mixed reactions. Really, uh, mixed reactions is, is, is diplomatic. I I'm see. hearing very bad things. I see. And you know what? I have always been an Inhumans fan. The whole idea, Black Bolt, Lockjaw, the whole Medusa. Have you with jumped head, into this to see what I they did to your property? I have not because I'm, 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 I have a funny feeling that it's brutal. I mean, I've, I've read some of the reviews from reputable sources, and it does not look pretty. Oh, dear. I hate it when they have this cherished piece of my comics childhood has yeah. been horribly adapted. The, 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 right off the bat, when you read a review that says, when Black Bolt does his thing and you laugh – when you're not supposed to laugh, you know, mm. Black Bolt is supposed to have that voice. He's, he remains quiet, doesn't say anything because if he opens his mouth, even if he utters a little, like a, a, a breath, he could destroy entire cities. Uh-huh. But apparently when they do it on the show, it's laughable. Yeah. That's not that, good. That's not the striking the fear no, and the awe of the powers kind of thing. Good. That's not good. And yeah. Karnak doesn't have that weird head, which was always my favorite part. But that's, yeah. that's just me. All right, so so Inhumans may be a little wobbly. Uh, Star Trek Discovery, did you at least watch the premiere? I know they're list. That's I don't want to. I gotta I gotta I gotta find a way to watch it. Maybe I'll wait until it's on another streaming service. Yeah, they they do uh, taunt for those. uh, This is Star Trek Discovery. Discovery, This is the reboot that's uh, they they ran one episode on CBS broadcast. Right. And then the rest is moving to the CBS All Access service, uh, which annoys people who don't want to subscribe to another six or ten dollar streaming service a and month. I am one of those people. I watched it. I was very excited because I think probably for the first time in fifty years of Star Trek, yeah. uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but there was a scene where the two people in it were two women of color in Starfleet uniforms, and they were not talking about guys. It was very they were, they were talking on the mission, to each other, and yes. on a mission. Wow, and. Uh, for those who kind of want to see it but don't want to subscribe, I have noticed that a lot of these shows, including The Handmaid's Tale, uh, The Good Fight, things that were only on specific streaming services, are showing up uh, for purchase in the Google Play Store and iTunes and things. So if you wait a few months and just want to go cool. a la carte, you can buy the whole series for 25 bucks or whatever I'll and binge. see it that way if you don't want to. Because even if you subscribe for a week just to get the free one and you binge – a lot of times you forget to cancel your credit card exactly. or something happens or you don't want to give it out in the first place. Just wait it out. Patience. Yeah. Patience. I don't think this is one of these shows that you're going to have to worry about spoilers. So Yeah. So um, so, so, so much to see in, in any format. And I will never watch Orville. I'm just saying that right really? now. Really? Is it the, the Seth MacFarlane thing? Yeah, or the, the I've already seen Galaxy Quest. Why do I need to watch exactly, this? Exactly. Exactly. And apparently it's, it's actually a serious show they, with – 
comic elements. I, I don't know, man. I, I just don't know. They well, they played it as because you, you think it's going to be bad like bad the Family Guy in space or something. Yeah, exactly. I don't really. I just that, see if I was at a Hollywood meeting and someone pitched that, I would not watch it. Yeah, I uh, Family Guy in space. No. Yeah, I. Oh, my TV viewing calendar is a little full now. So it's a little full. Ken Burns yeah. saying it, there's so much going on. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I got to. I'm, I'm going to wait for so, that. So yeah, too. It's, if it lasts more than three episodes, you know, we'll see. Yes. But uh, anyway, how about some news? news. Since we have our news. comics there's nothing gentlemen going on with anyway. us. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, they're waiting in the wings. Yes. Yeah, so um, well, uh, let's roll in uh, now. As you know, some people love Facebook, some hate it. Some people use it just to humble brag and show off their fancy vacation photos. Yes. But U.S. President Donald Trump recently began tweet hating the social network, complaining that. Facebook was, air quotes, always uh, been opposed to him. Now, the tweeter-in-chief also made claims that Facebook is a part of a network of collusion among the international newspapers and certain cable networks uh, that have produced coverage critical, shall we say, of the Trump White House. Now, the accusations were made without supporting documentation or an established collection of proof, right, uh, even right. with the 280 potential characters. Maybe that's still hard to do. Yes, and it's not clear if the outburst was related to Facebook's announcement last week that it was turning over more than 3,000 Russia-linked ads to Congress for an investigation. It's not clear, but pretty possible. But you wonder. But this yeah. sort of firehosing, though, did not go unnoticed by Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, who took to his personal page on the site to, to defend his company. Potential presidential candidate. Yes. Yes. So, so we so we have straight. some some very big players here yes. who are exchanging uh, wars of words. Yeah. In a post that started out, I want to respond to President Trump's tweet this morning claiming Facebook has always been against him. Uh, Mr. Zuckerberg went on to say, every day I work to bring people together and build a community for everyone. We hope to give all people a voice and create a platform for all ideas. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of his, his opening statement there. The Facebook CEO has also updated his thoughts on Facebook's role in the 2016 U.S. elections. And he goes on uh, to write a little further down. After the election, I made a comment that I thought the idea misinformation on Facebook changed the outcome of the election was a crazy idea. Calling that crazy was dismissive, and I now regret it. Really? Uh, It is too important an issue to be dismissive, but the data we have has always shown that our broader impact from giving people a voice to enabling candidates to communicate directly to helping millions of people vote played a far bigger role in this election. So there he's making his case here that uh, we're trying to be agnostic and people just used it and, and we're not for or against anyone. Good thing we don't do politics. That's true. We're just observing the political observing situation the here political without taking sides. From the technical perspective. Yes. Yeah, so he said this, he said that. But as the New York Times and other outlets are reporting, there is evidence that Twitter may have had an even bigger thumb on the scale than Facebook. Uh Uh-oh. This isn't about the services announcement about the aforementioned uh, going up to 280 characters so users can more easily express themselves, Uh, um, which I think has gotten a lot of. I think the BBC said um, people got cheeky at that idea. Cheeky. Yes. It was a typical uh, BBC headline. Double the hate. Yes. uh, But no, there are suspicion that in addition to uh, Russia-linked Twitter accounts of people who are not Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese posing as Americans, (laughs) the bird theme microblogging service was also used for bot campaigns to flood the channels with automated messages that spread false stories and promoted news articles about emails from Democratic operatives, the Russian Mm -hmm. hackers. Uh, So uh, so there's all this uh, evidence that like, oh, Facebook did this, Facebook did this. Well, actually, Twitter had a lot of stuff going on here, too. I would say Twitter was way more effective. Yeah, and uh, I think some people are, are going to be looking into that. Uh, bots on Twitter are nothing new as the services had problems with fake accounts. 
originally they, they said, well, you know, we're we, we not going to ban bots because some companies will use them as customer service agents and we can't just blanketly uh, ban all the bots. Because then we won't make money. Yeah, we can't make money and, and people who need Verizon tech support won't get an automatic response. I remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how to get rid of those ghost followers. That's true. And those you, inactive accounts. You and I've been doing it religiously. You see, I maybe people who are worried about this should go back and listen to that show. Yes, indeed. But, uh, but on the Twitter situation, uh, researchers at the Alliance for Securing Democracy have noted that instead of explicitly promoting specific um, political candidates, that a lot of the suspect Twitter activity that maybe flew under the radar was about stirring up stuff. Yes. As Lauren Rosenberger, director of the Alliance for Secure Democracy, told the New York Times, we see that over and over again that it is a lot of messaging that's not about politics, a specific politician or even political parties. It's about creating societal division, identifying divisive issues, and fanning the flames. Uh, you mean like taking a knee and stuff like that? Yeah, that, that kind of thing. Kind of thing? Uh, yes, yeah. uh, the, a recent example. A recent example, yes. Yes, uh, the Times also mentions that Ms. Rosenberger's uh, web group has a dashboard called Hamilton 68. And hmm. um, I know you're hearing the, the cast album to the musical already. Yes, yes. And it is actually named for uh, Federalist Papers number 68, which is believed to have been written by Alexander Hamilton. And that particular Federalist paper warns of foreign meddling in American elections. Uh, but this tool that they're using does not identify the activity of specific Twitter users, but highlights the activity of the 600 accounts that researchers believe were possibly tied to the Russian government uh, to repeat propaganda themes. Hmm. So, so there are independent groups that are sort of looking at all the activity on Twitter during the election. And how just to big of a role that Twitter, Facebook, or even Google, uh, who has also been mentioned, uh, had in the elections is an area of concern among lawmakers. The leaders of these three companies have been invited to testify before Congress on November the 1st in regard to the Russian influence It's an invitation. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. It's know, Day of the Dead, like, too, hey, isn't it? November yes, the 1st? It is. Yes, um, it is. Party. Uh, yeah. So, so they're, uh, they're meetings that are going to be happening. They don't have to go. It's just a nice invitation. Yes, come on down. Come Talk on to down. some congressional representatives yes, who exactly. have some questions about maybe what you were doing last fall. Yeah, and yeah. why you did and why you didn't. Yeah. yeah. Just, just what you want to chat, you know. Just a chat. But uh, on the theme of elections, though, Facebook also posts an update about its uh, various efforts to stop fake news related to the recent elections in Germany. Ah. And those elections, uh, for people who weren't watching the international news, saw Chancellor Angela Merkel return to power, but with a smaller party majority and the entrance of Germany's far-right political party into the Bundestag, which a little, oh. little nervous making there. Really? Not a great track record. Yeah, not really a <laughs> yeah, great track record. Far-right far yeah. uh, yes. parties there. Um, we'll link to that particular post because this was from Facebook's uh, German site, but it in part reads – these actions that we took uh, did not eliminate misinformation entirely in this election, but they did make it harder to spread and less likely to appear in people's news feeds. Studies concluded that the level of false news was low. We learned a lot and will continue to apply those lessons in other forthcoming elections. Hopefully one of the ones over here. Um, yeah. You know what's going to end up happening? What? People are going to stop believing what's on Facebook and Twitter. You mean they, they might come to the conclusion that perhaps they're being uh, played? Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah, well, one would hope. Um, and the, the worrisome part of that is that so many people just get their news from Facebook and Twitter and don't know to look elsewhere. Yeah. I watch a variety of news sources uh, across the spectrum. I just want to hear what people are saying, what the arguments are. Yeah. Sometimes it's painful if it's not what you personally believe, but it is illuminating regardless. So True. you got to listen to both sides. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's uh, you know, just you know, change your media diet up for a week and, and, and see what you think. Although I'm thinking of becoming a wingnut soon. 
Really? I think so. I haven't decided what side. Uh-huh. But I'm leaning towards the whole wing nut. Really? Thing. You just want extreme. I just want the extreme. I just want to go whole hog, just dive right into something, go bat guano crazy. Yeah. Well, That's I, what I want to do. I think the political conventions for, for those levels of the party are probably more interesting than, than the big national ones that tend to be a little bloated and overproduced. I want to wear flag ties. That's what I want to do. Respect the flag. Yes, respect the flag. Yes, but as a tie. As a tie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to product news. Product news. It's all Alexa, 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 Alexa this week. Alexa, Alexa, Alexa. She's everywhere. She is. Amazon has announced several new models of its Echo speaker, including the Echo Spot, a $130 model with a round two-and-a-half-inch screen that can display the time like a little clock, your daily reminders. There were some sort of words of wisdom that kind of brought me to mind of the Magic 8-Ball, <laughs> kind of cryptic little advice bits. Nice. The spot can also play video and host video calls, and it's kind of a small tabletop size, sits up kind of like a, a nightstand clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, except in digital form. So I guess if you wake up, you can just roll over and start talking to Alexa first thing. If you're lonely, yes. Yeah, if she's on your nightstand. Not creepy. This is the spot, not the dot. Yeah, this is the spot. Echo um, dot. And the Echo Spot is the one with the screen. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, the Spot has the screen. And there's also the $150 Echo Plus, which uh, maintains the size of the original tubular speaker. That's more now of your connected smart home hub. It's got some features built in for that. Uh-huh. The original Echo, the one that was just called Echo, yeah. got smaller, and so does its price tag. That's now $99. Uh, it's a shorter version of the tube, but they still the same concept. Yeah, down. I don't think it's like Glade Air Freshener like the Google right. Home gotcha, is, but gotcha. it, it's, it's sort of going down in that direction. But the Plus is a full-size. Yeah, the Plus is the big, Weapons-grade. Uh, yes, Home assistant. Yes, g- okay. going to control your home for you there. Nice. There is a um, $35 Echo Connect, uh, which didn't get a lot of, of press, I guess, because it's a little right. more uh, functional. But that's a um, a box that connects to your landline if you still have one. And once you hook your phone into that, you can make hands-free calls uh, and have some Alexa experience there. Will it work with my VoIP? Uh, I don't not know. I think it's just for like pots, uh, plain yeah, old. Just uh, pots line? But, but in mind, uh, we, we should read the specs on that one. Um, and if you want an Echo that really doesn't do much of anything, uh, there's the Echo button, which is pretty much just a Bluetooth-enabled buzzer for playing Jeopardy-like trivia games. But you have to have a regular Echo speaker, I guess, to run the game. Uh, but if you you and the family, it's gathering around for game night. You get these colored buttons. You feel like you're on Jeopardy, so you can buzz in. Hey, Those are two for $20. You know what? Most people out there are going to think that I'm going to crap all over this, but I would get that in a heartbeat. Because really? what we do every night at the Casa Kaiser is literally play Jeopardy. <gasps> on That is a tradition Wow! at home. We play Jeopardy on the Alexa. Alex Trebek and what is it, Jimmy, the guy who announces it, whatever yeah. his name is? Johnny. Yeah. Well, that's what we do every night, so I'm going to get a, a set of four. All right, so 40 bucks, and you got four buzzers, and, go. and the uh, Clan Rosado will uh, buzz away. Buzz away. Buzz All right, away. So, so there's something for you in this yeah. this massive— uh, See, I'm not always uh, snarky. Yes. Folks. Yes, you, you have need for this product. I do. Now, in non-Echo news, Amazon also updated the Fire TV. Fuego. Fuego. Instead of an Apple TV like box, this one all went Chromecast dongle instead. Oh, uh, so, so they're they're I guess trying to get into hard to reach places. Unlike the Apple TV 4K, this new Fire TV can certainly play Dolby Atmos audio. Uh, really, with the right equipment. And um, yes, yeah, it's like take that. Uh, Amazon's new streamer is seventy dollars, and it also plays 4K HDR video at sixty frames per second. Oh, A very nice picture. I would think that would have. Wow. 
Yeah. You know, now, now I'm thinking. Yeah, and for a limited time, okay, that's $70 just for the, the little Fire TV dongle. Uh, for a limited time, you can get it bundled with an Echo Dot, not the spot, the Dot, dot. Uh, for $80 so that the small Dot speaker can, you know, bring more Alexa into the mix. There you go. So now, are they going to make another bigger box? Because I like the big box. I don't know if they if they if they're going to just keep the traditional box in the lineup. If everything's going dongle now, oh, I know you're not a dongle I'm fan. I'm not a dongle fan at all. Yeah, because so, I like the Ethernet jack. That's yeah. my thing. Yeah, I'm going to go wireless. Crazy, especially with that that much video coming through. Yeah, I would of think you would need some bandwidth. It's not bad though. I had one box that was. Uh, I had the Apple TV on that, and it worked fairly well. All right, fairly so well. so there's hope. There's hope. Yes, and finally, and finally, the recent launch of the iPhone 8 saw, I would say, generally smaller lines at Apple stores and lower online sales, as analysts assume buyers are waiting for the arrival of the super fancy iPhone 10. I wouldn't bet on that. Um, or maybe people are just over iPhones. And... I got a feeling. I got a feeling. Really? You, you... I'm serious. I got a feeling. Really? You, we you... might have reached peak iPhone. Saturation? Saturation. Yeah, well, there's a lot of back and forth, too, because, oh, look, Apple's iPhone sales are so weak, and a lot of people are bouncing, and some analysts are saying, well, no, calm down, you know, if you look at the whole product map and what they're doing, and so there's a fight over just how bad this news may be for Apple, like, oh, look, they're still selling some, but not enough, and... Because Apple's always been held to this really intense standard of how many iPhones they sell in the first weekend. I mean, let's be honest, a ridiculous standard. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so there's some squawking there. Um, and again, people assume buyers are waiting for the arrival of the iPhone 10. I don't think so. Uh, that doesn't have a release until November the 3rd. And, maybe um, later. Yeah. Or, or maybe or maybe one of them will come out on the November the 3rd mm-hmm. and the other 50,000 uh, for the week will be <laughs> next year. Yeah, the, the the whole product uh, supply chain, I think, is, has been also been suspect to. They're a, running out of glass. I yes, think. they're the, running out of glass. Uh, That's what's happening. Yes, yeah, so, so no one knows for sure, but uh, but things are uh, there's whispers, uh, whispers in that. But ahead of all this, uh, yeah, I guess, and after their fancy demo uh, a few weeks ago. Apple support site has posted an explanation of how the Face ID technology works. So perhaps really? to soothe those types who get nervous about having their faces mapped and scanned. I'm guessing that's you. Yeah. Um, so, so because I was sort of reading it down, and they were walking you through. I was like, in the first step, you first must enroll your face. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No. Stop. Well, it, it, it's the same Stop. language I used to, you know, enroll a finger for the touch ID. Enroll my face. Enroll your face. Enroll your, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enroll my face right out of here. Yeah. That's what that's gonna happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so this is the sort of how to. <sighs> but I think a lot of people, the concern was, well, can people steal my face? Can is this a plot for a movie where they grab my phone and they can uh, face you know, again? They've got my face data. Face-off, right. Yeah. This is yeah. John Travolta. John Travolta. And somebody, yeah. And John and Nicholas Cage. Yeah. So, so Apple is, is – and this was a pretty long support document for them. But in the privacy section, it says privacy is incredibly important to Apple. Face ID data, including mathematical representations of your face, is encrypted and protected by the secure enclave, which should be a superhero team. But yes, it's, it's absolutely. Part of the uh, this data will be refined and updated as you use Face ID to improve your experience, including when you successfully authenticate – Face ID will also update this data when it detects a close match, but a passcode is subsequently entered to unlock the device. Uh. 
Face ID data does not leave your device and is never backed up to iCloud or anywhere else. Only in the case that you wish to provide Face ID diagnostic data to AppleCare for support will this information be transferred from your device. And even in this case, data isn't automatically sent to Apple. You can first review and approve the diagnostic data before it's sent. And this is just a tiny chunk of this document. So does this make you feel any better about Face ID? No, no. Enrolling and authenticating my face. In the secure enclave? In the secure enclave. No, I don't know. Absolutely not. All right, None so of those words are things that I want to hear together. Sticking with the fingerprint scanner, yes, are you? I'm thinking, I, barely. Yeah. Barely. And you're even suspicious about that, I oh, imagine. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. No question about it's it. It's like, no, I want a 13-digit hexadecimal uh, passcode. That's exactly what I want. Thank you. Yes. So, well, for anyone out there who may be less concerned and wants to read all of Apple's support document or uh, talk about any other stories that we yammered on about here, if you want to read where we got all this from... We'll have a page of links for you on the website. And where might they find that? They might find that at poptechjam.com. That's a wonderful site. It is indeed. People should visit. Okay, the first week of October is here, and New York Comic Con is upon us. Uh, To help celebrate New York City's fabulous four-day festival of comics, books, television, and all things geeky pop culture, we have two genuine comics creators with us here in the studio this week. I'd like to welcome Rich Bernatovich and Jamie Fay. Uh, Both of these gentlemen have projects of their own, but they also work together on the Nevermind series, among other things, uh, which is from the independent publisher Drumfish Productions. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having us. Yes, so uh, you can just feel that, you know, fall comes to New York and all of a sudden you see Batman costumes all over the street, so you know Comic-Con is here. And uh, it's become kind of the biggest pop culture expo in the East Coast, I would say, uh, even surpassing the attendance record of the San Diego show, which gets a lot of press because of the Hollywood blinks. How many years have you guys been doing New York Comic Con, and how does it compare to other conventions around the country that you've uh, traveled to, to to attend as a creator? Right. Myself, I've attended the show since it started in 2006, so I was at the very first New York Comic Con. Wow, Rich, so you were like Comic Con OG. I'm 109 years old, and I started <laughs> way back then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I've been there since the beginning, and I've watched it grow, and it's been amazing to see it get accepted, because we were dying for a New York Comic Con show. Um, only New York convention that we had was the show... I won't mention, but it was was not a a smaller show. It was a smaller show. It wasn't run very well. So it's great to see this show come in there and and develop. And it's, yeah, it's become, I think, bigger than San Diego in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think they had like maybe 160,000 upwards of that, one of their attendance figures last year, which is enormous for the job. Jamie, uh, uh, you've been also. uh, Uh, I've been at every New York Comic Con except for the first one. So it's been uh, cool to see it go from what. My first experience, which was at that point the largest convention I'd ever gone to, uh-huh. to what it is now, which is like mega huge compared to what it was the year I first attended. So it's it's cool to see that Hollywood and television has become a huge presence at this show while still getting our artist alley and our comic focus that a lot of shows seem to lose when they bring Hollywood in. Yeah, I think San Diego has taken some flack for that, where, oh, it's just TV reels and premieres, and and Hollywood's using this because they drive down from L.A., but the real, the ink on paper and the pixel art and the people who are making visual storytelling 
comic books are kind of getting shoved aside. So uh, as you guys uh, prepare for another uh, New York Comic Con, uh, I know uh, the traditional place for the artists and creators to hang out and meet their fans is Artist Alley, at least here in New York, uh, and you get a table there. What's your average day like when you're sitting there surrounded by comics fans? Uh, For me, it's weird. Uh, I do on-the-spot commissions while I'm there, so it's... I'm usually mentally exhausted by the end of the day because I have to be on and talking to people, but I have to be focused on drawing and coloring, and we're we're selling books, we're selling prints, we're selling statues. So it's you're you're just mentally on all day long, and it's like at the end of the day, you're like, oh, I'm so glad it's over, but then you're like, that was awesome at the same time. Yeah, and it it runs like 10 to 8 or something, right? Uh, 10 to 8. This year it's 10 to 8, three days a week. Yeah. And then Sunday will be 10 to 6. Yeah. And, and Rich, you're also uh, wor- working behind the table there. Yeah, uh, I actually I, I have a little bit different experience than Jamie because I stopped doing sketches and commissions at the table. I found it too hard for myself to do it, um, and I travel to a lot of shows by myself now. And I actually really get involved with customers and fans and people who come up to the table, and I, I engage them a lot. So, you know, I, all I need is somebody just to stop, and, I, and I'll start engaging with them. Before you know it, you have a couple sales. And I feel like when I'm there at the show, that's what I'm better at. Uh-huh. Uh, Jamie can handle doing the sketches there, and they look great. Um, I get distracted, and then next thing I know, I'm like, what did I draw here? This doesn't look exactly the way I want it to be. So I've, you know, I've, I've made myself be more of the salesperson, uh-huh, you know, so talk about the work. Front of house. Yeah, uh, and, and engage with people. And every year it's great because you, you, you get a fan base and they come back year after year after year because they want to talk to you, not only buy your stuff, but they actually want to, you know, they want your opinion oh, on things yeah. and all, which is, which is always great. Yeah, and you guys, uh, I, I know you create a lot of characters of your own. Do you get cosplayers who will dress up as your characters come by and say, hey? We have had, um, we've had one that did that a couple years ago, right, Jamie? From one of our Nevermind's characters, and she dressed up. She surprised us and came. Oh as wow! One of our that's characters. A, well, that must have been kind of exciting yeah. to see your your vision brought to life. And in, in it was cosplay. amazing, and she was she was really great, and she did a great job with the costume. And but Meredith was a fan of ours, and she really loved our stuff. And she said she had a surprise for us, and then she started. She posted a picture, like I think it was two days before the show. Yeah. And then we had no idea she was having it made. And and then, you know, she just showed up and was like, holy crap, this is awesome. Well, our, the book that we work on together is an all-female superhero team. Uh-huh. I mean, they're, they're super-powered, not superheroes. And we put a lot of uh, work into the book, not making it, you know, cheesecake. You know, yeah. it, 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 it's Which the comics industry characters. has had a little problem with, you know, yeah. gratuitous female characters. And, and you, so you guys are— uh, Going straight to like actually having them be characters and not yes, fluff. and we've and we've learned that a lot of we have a lot of female fans because of that because they they were craving something that wasn't insulting to them yeah and, and that actually had a story about a character instead of yeah super powered people who just happen to be women yeah and our, our colorist uh, Danielle Saint Pierre you know we always bounce ideas off of her too to get the female perspective and. You know yeah. what she thinks about things, so it's like we we've got a really good team in yeah. place for Neverminds. To that point of of seeing uh, well, a more women characters in books and just women attending the show. A lot of the big comic festivals have been really emphasizing diversity and inclusion over the past few years. Uh, you know, relating to all fans, all all 
types of people. Uh, from your seat behind the table, have you seen the fandom change over the years as people walk by or, or as you're walking through the show? I, I mean, people think the traditional comic book convention is just a bunch of, of pasty white guys in t-shirts running around. And I think that's an unfair stereotype, if not horribly outdated. And just from the years that you guys have been going, have you seen a visible shift? Absolutely. I think there's no doubt. Uh, and, and that stereotype is, is horrible because, you know, the, the person who got me into comics was a 12-year-old black kid when I was 12 years old. You know, he's, he's, you know so he was reading comics. You know, why wouldn't I read comics? You know what I mean? It, yeah, yeah, so not everyone's me, the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, yeah. no, and, and, and as far as what we see out there reflective for myself, I've definitely seen uh, a much wider range of age of fans more than diversity because I've always seen diversity because uh-huh. our stuff, you know, our books um, have always had a very diverse cast uh, based on, you know, race, sex, sexuality, religion even. So we've attracted that audience, I think. But now I'm seeing a range of age, which is what's really interesting to oh, me. Okay. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, you know, the, you see people, they, they, want to, they want their representation in comic books and you know, we, we try to add really diverse characters in all of our work. I mean, our one character in Nevermind is an African lesbian who's Hindu. So, right, I mean, so she's... There's some intersectionality a there. A triple, you know, minority. So that's awesome that we didn't have the big reveal and the big, oh, my God, she's gay. Yeah. And it, and was, it was organic, too. We did not intend to have that character become that Yeah, as... When we started out, it actually evolved that way. Yeah, so, so it was nice, natural. It know. wasn't like a retcon where they decided, "Oh, this Green Lantern from Earth no, and it was going to be." Yeah, 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 and it wasn't something we said. You know what? We need X, Y, and Z. Yeah, because that will be felt by your readership. Yeah, you know, when you just force something, boxes. which is which is something that happens a lot right now. Yeah. Well, we knew Batwoman was a lesbian before we saw her on a single page of a comic book. Yeah, so that was and, a press release and ours. You know, we get to through to the third issue of the mag. I mean, the comic before you even know that she's a lesbian. And the way that you find out is she gets woken up and she's in bed. So with her wife. Yeah. So it's just a casual. Hey, and you know, this we, is me. we this is my we've life. never said anything about it. We yeah. just it was just there. Also, while we're on the topic of storytelling, though, for decades comics were essentially. Pen and ink and paper on or on really cheap paper. And in the mid '80s, uh, I certainly remember it when they made the shift to the Baxter books, and the paper got nicer, and the art got a little more refined. And then you started to see all these glossy, beautiful trade volumes. I remember that too. That was awesome. Yeah, it was. It was, it was like a beautiful that. time to see it yeah. from, from these really sort of out of register things on on pulp paper. And now we're so far into the digital age, we've got motion comics. You can watch a comic on an Apple TV where things are sliding around or you've got interactive storytelling. Do any of these newfangled ways of of doing comics appeal to you guys or do you have any thoughts about how you might incorporate that into your storytelling? Uh, Definitely. I mean, I've had a few animations created for our characters. We've talked to people for creating theme music for us. Um, I love the motion comics. uh, uh, Astonishing X-Men a few years ago did the Joss Whedon, John Cassidy run all motion, motion comic. And it was like watching a cartoon, but with comic book art. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they did a really good job of making it real and moving. And you saw them their eyes blinking and their eyes moving, their mouths moving when they talked. So it was like if we could have that, that would be awesome. 
I, I'm not so much into the the motion uh-huh. stuff, I, but I do love the digital angle. So I've gotten into that at least. And like I said, I I do a weekly uh, web comic. I, I put a new page up every week, and we have been releasing my first my very first series was Sentinels, and that was in black and white. And at the time when I started that, financially, that's a, I couldn't afford to do color because yeah. color the color prices were way higher than they are now. Yeah, and as an independent publisher, you have to factor this exactly, in mind. Exactly, So everything was done in black and white. But now with Comicology and other digital platforms that you can do, we've been going back and colorizing our original work, and we've been tweaking it, and we've been adding pages or panels and changing things and being being able to edit work that we knew wasn't the same quality as it was by the end of the series. So it's been a lot a lot of fun to do that and re-release that to the public in a digital form uh-huh. only, not print it, just doing digital. And it's gotten really good response too. So that I like. Um, I just haven't gotten into the, you know, when I, I want to see a cartoon, I want to see a cartoon. I still like the visual of a drawn page, whether it be on print or on my screen. I, I myself like the art artistic angle. I love the artistry of looking at how the page is designed and seeing how it flows and filling in the gaps myself as yeah. far as the movement between panels. Yeah, I mean, but that's just my own personal preference. Yeah, no, it's, well, you, you can't beat a good splash page in any format as far as I'm concerned. Right. Um, but along with the tech, though, uh, and you mentioned web comics, uh, how does social media play into how you guys promote your stuff and get it out and distribute it? Does that become sort of a, a factor? It's kind of important. Uh, like I have a deviant art, I have a Twitter, I have an Instagram, uh, Tumblr, Facebook. So and people can find you. Yeah. I mean it, it's you you kinda have to. I mean, I, I got on Instagram late, so I think it was just last year and within a year I have thousands of followers already and that's kind of awesome. That this platform that I just jumped onto, and I have a following already. I find it tiring to do all these different social media things, um, uh, but it's totally necessary. I wish it wasn't because I wish I could just do one, and it kind of went to all the different areas yeah, like that I needed your, to. Uh, social uh, feeds. Yeah, there. but in order to control everything and get it to be right for different, you know, for Instagram, for Deviant Art, which is a big one, you know, Twitter, Facebook, you need all these things today. They are branches of your brand and a way for you to pull in new audiences. And like Jamie was saying, every day we get more followers or, or more fans to your to your different products, whether it be my artwork, his artwork, or our comic together, or my web comic. It, you never know where you're going to pull somebody in from, and it's very interesting to see that dynamic because we have a very, I mean, at least with Drumfish, the, the, the titles are very eclectic. We have a horror book, we have an all-ages comic, then we have straight-out superhero, and then we have girl power our, our book together, which is all-female covert op team. You know, so those things pull in different people. So you need these avenues now more than ever. Yeah, so people want to find you. And just for those who may have not heard about it, a deviant art that is a uh, comic-focused uh, social media no, it's channel? No, it, there's actually photography on there. There's digital, all kinds of digital So it's, it's a community it, then? It's a, a community, community of all kinds of artists. You could be painters and just scan your art. You know, the painter, photography, uh, poets are even on there. Anybody with an artistic... Uh, creation that they want to express or get out there, they go on to DeviantArt. And I love it. It's such a great platform. I've met so many people on there. I think Jamie has met most of the colorists that he's worked with on there. It, basically, DeviantArt is Facebook for artists. That'll bring a lot of people running who have not heard of it up to this <laughs> point. 
for uh, Drumfish Productions, we've done the Sentinels anthology. Uh, the second one that we've done, I think there were 37 creators on it, and 32 of them were from DeviantArt. It's almost like LinkedIn, practically. Yeah, and a lot of them asked to be involved in it, too. It's not even, I didn't even have to pursue people to get involved in this. Some of them I did, because I really wanted them to be involved, but we had a lot come to us based on seeing our work, and then we could easily, it's almost like an por- online portfolio. It is an online portfolio. I mean, most comic companies now, they actually they have a website, and they're like, DeviantArt's it's fine. You know, it's great. They look on those also. And you can see people's work really quickly. It's it's a good site. What projects are you guys working on now, either individually or together? You mentioned there was a Nevermind's issue in the works, uh, but you've got uh, solo projects as well, right? We're working on Nevermind's number five right now. Uh, I've just done a cover for the comic book Monsters Among Us for Tidal Wave Productions. Um, I'm not sure when that's coming out. I'm assuming it's soon. Yes. Um, I'm drawing prints, and I've uh, been doing uh, a bunch of prints that are based on actors and actresses from properties, and I'm getting a lot of buzz from the actual creators. We're doing uh, T-shirts for uh, We Love Fine. Okay. uh, Which is basically, you know, T-shirts, bags, sweatshirts. It's an art community. uh, Pop culture. Pop culture. All the good things. Art. For they fans, by fans. Movies, yeah. And they get their license. Yeah. The thing with We Love Fine is that, right, your stuff is licensed there. Yeah. So, so you get uh, from the overall copyright holders to recreate the yes, yeah, characters. Yeah, they have to approve it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I got into We Love Fine by uh, they had an Agent Carter t shirt contest. Such a good show. And uh, I, I was the grand prize winner, and they asked me to be one of their uh, artists slash partners. So I'm in, and I have a couple other. Designs on there. Excellent. Yeah, we're, and we're going to, for people wondering, we're going to put links up on our show page for a lot of the sites that uh, Rich and Jamie are talking about. Rich, uh, your uh, projects. My projects, well, of course, never mind number five with Jamie. Um, yes. I'm, I'm hoping that comes out. I've been, we've, we've been republishing digitally the Sentinel series that was our first book with Drumfish, and we've been doing the colorized versions of that. But I also have a weekly webcomic that I post a new page every week, and it's all ages. So it's very kid-friendly, but yet adults can like it. It's kind of in the same vein of uh, Bone. Okay. Here's Bone. That's what I was kind of going for. I have two other graphic novels that I've worked on that I'm hoping to get uh, off the ground very soon. And a couple other side projects that aren't comic-related. Okay, so a full plate for for both of you guys. And... uh, so we're going to post links to your sites and your Deviant Art pages. Where can people attending New York Comic Con find you guys? I know they're moving the show around a little bit. Artist uh, Alley. All we'll right. Be in Artist Alley is where we're usually at, and we love it there. We will be uh, at table A5, and Luciano Vecchio, who is the artist on Sentinels, will actually be there, but he's going to be away from us. He'll be at C18. Okay. So, so. The, all three of us will be there. Jamie and I will be at A5, and it's in the basement this year, the Artist Alley. Yeah, which is going to feel weird because haven't yeah. gone there. Yeah, and I should mention, too, uh, that uh, Rich and Jamie and I all know each other from other aspects of our life. And Jamie uh, is also an amazing uh, panel organizer. And he and I are doing two panels at Comic-Con if you happen to be there. It'll be Thursday and Friday. One is about LGBT creators who are women uh, making wonderful productions. Uh, that's on Thursday. And we've also got a pop culture panel on LGBT uh, pop culture. That is Friday. And you can find those in the Comic-Con program. We'll post 
links to those on the show page as well. But since you guys are so busy, I should probably let you get back to uh, creating fabulous comics things. Um, so again, I just want to, on behalf of Pocked Up Jam, would like to thank Rich Bernatovich and Jamie Fay for dropping by ahead of uh, the whole Comic-Con convention here. And if you are in New York, uh, definitely go to the show. Uh, you will not leave there without some fabulous memories. Thank you. It's been our thank pleasure. Thank you for having us. How come I wasn't involved with the with the comic book conversation? Because you had to do all the technical stuff. Yeah, that's true. I was a wizard behind it. Yeah, you know, see, someone's got to do the tech. It's like theater. Yeah, it's like theater, exactly. Yeah, but 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 thank you for for doing that tech for them. They were anytime. Lovely gentlemen, Rich and Jamie. Glad to have them on the show. Fascinating conversation. Fascinating. I love comics. Talented people. We know talented people. That's fine. We know talented people. Yeah. And we will have links to all of their uh, sites again on our show page, too. Yes. Um, but in the meantime, I guess we have to thank the bros. Yes, thank you, bros. Builtbybros.com. Build something with the bros. If you think it, they'll build it. Yes, they're very good at that, that they building stuff. And thank you to the listeners who made it this far yes, with us, uh, either in this episode or in our what, five-year run now on the yeah, show. Yeah, we're, we're going strong. Five yeah, years. Yeah, well, ne- next, next episode is going to be, I think, 250 episodes. 250, right. Yeah. Exactly. So, again, thank you, each and every one of you listeners out there. We appreciate Appreciate uh, you letting us into your lives for Absolutely. a little bit of time. Uh, and so until next week, and we'll be back with more, I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. Everyone have a good week and read some comics. Comics.